Welcome back, you guys, to AG University. Today, I am so excited. We have a beautiful, stunning guest coming on today, Real With Emma. You may know her on Instagram or TikTok. That's her handle. And Emma is a holistic health coach. She is stepping more into a mentorship role for spiritual teachers and healers and those who use movement and food as medicine, which, you know, I love to hear more on that perspective. I met Emma. I'll tell the story more on the podcast when she gets on, but I really just found her on TikTok and had a little ping that I wanted to connect with her and hear more about her story. I was really intrigued by her. And that was about over a year ago. And we've just really remained internet besties sense. And so she's someone who speaks with such authority and the way she shows up, she's so authentic and she's so brave and just sharing her beliefs and what lights her up and things that she does in her everyday life with such passion and love and intention. She's always been very inspiring to me. And every time I talk with her, I was on her podcast recently. I'll link that in the show notes. She just uncovers so much information. I feel like I process and learn so much about myself in conversations with her. So this is really cool. I feel like you guys are just kind of like a fly on the wall with a conversation we would typically have. We talk a lot about love and sex and intimacy and a a lot of topics I've never spoken on publicly. So I'm really excited. She always brings out the juice, the tea, but also like that ooey goodness that I feel really sparks connection and just really get your wheels turning. This is a super intentional conversation and there is a lot here. So I'm really excited you're here. You guys take notes, buckle up, class is in session. So we'll just get into it, Emma. Welcome to AG University. I am so excited you're here. I'm so excited for all the magic you're going to share. If you want to just like go ahead and introduce kind of what you're doing right now or what's lighting you up. I have an intro before, but you give us a little bit about you too. Mm, Well, I'm just so excited to be here. I feel like I'm at this point in my life where the things that are meant for me are dropping in. And it's like this first time that I'm just kind of allowing myself to be along for the ride of life. Whereas I think with the surge of 2020 and it was like mindset and healing and here's all these things you can do to change yourself. I really committed so long to that, becoming a holistic health coach, stepping more into mentorship, creating communities. There was always that push to like grow, be better, learn more. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, can I just like be here? So what's lighting me up right now is like last night going to see Elf the Musical at the Portsmouth Music Hall with with Casey, with my fiance. And it's, you know, him running out to get coffee and bagels this morning because he knew I had this interview and wanted to give me time to like relax and set up. So what's lighting me up right now is living. It's living life. I am obsessed with you. I love that. I feel, <laughs> I feel like we're always on such a similar like energy wave because I've been there too. Like this morning, I did a little drop-in on the Akashic Records and they were like, everything's coming. I, If you guys are new to this podcast, the Akashic Records is a little angel reading. So they're like, everything's a coming. Everything's on its way. You're exactly where you're meant to be. You just need to fall in love with your life right now. That was the message. And I was like, I love that. We're loving life. <laughs> that it yeah, and I think 
it's just like a celebration of the work that has been done in a way. Mm-hmm. And it feels good because I, we talked about this before we started recording, but there's always that push in the spiritual community and in the healing community for more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, right now actually feels just good enough. So I'm going to yeah. just stay here a while. Just like revel in your glory. All your work, mm-hmm. celebrate. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I wanted to just to let everybody in that's listening at AGU, how we connected. It's like such a honestly random story, (laughs) but following my intuitive ping. So divine, divine, divine. So I, I remember specifically it was last Christmas break. I was at my parents' house and I saw your TikTok pop up. You guys got to go follow her on TikTok. She's amazing. I'll link everything in the show notes. Um, I saw your TikTok pop up and you were speaking to my soul because you were me. You were like, I'm journaling. I'm drinking celery juice. I'm, you know, I was doing all the things you were talking about how you were in the phase of life where you were doing everything that you thought you were supposed to be doing. And then you realized though, that your mindset was just out of alignment. And that was where I was. Like, I felt like I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. I was working hard. I was, you know, successful. I had a following, but things just weren't quite clicking. Like I was like, I'm just not, something's off. And that TikTok was like it. I was like, oh, Mm. my intention is really off. Mm. So I saw that TikTok of you. I, a few weeks pass, I I followed you and I kind of went down a rabbit hole and stalked you and was like, oh, I really like what she's saying. Cause it was just such a, it was a unique perspective of something just like such a small tweak that's such, and I love like a light bulb perspective shift when you were like, oh, that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I understand. So I followed you for a few weeks. And then uh, one morning, I this was whack when I was living alone in Nashville. And so I was definitely like my morning routine, y'all would be like two hours. It was absurd. <laughs> I don't have time for that anymore. But I meditated for a long time and I got up a meditation and I had the ping. And I was like, I'm going to schedule a call with Emma because I saw you had a call. Actually, I don't even know if I, you had calls. I was like, I'm going to reach out to her. And so I just booked a call and um, we I remember we got on the phone and you were like, hey, you were totally like, wow, where'd you come from? <laughs> yes, it was like one of those things that in my like Lincoln bio, like I just, there's always a drop in session available, like a quick 60 minute for someone who just wants to come in, connect with me. And it's not, and, and maybe we can get into this in a little bit, but it wasn't something that I ever really... I wasn't attached to it, but I also wasn't giving it much energy. Like I did not really expect random people to do that without like reaching out first. Like you literally just went in, saw it, booked it. And I remember showing up to this call with Anna Grace and I was like, who the fuck is Anna Grace? But we sit down for this call and I'm like, so like, tell me about yourself. Like what brought you here? And you were like, oh, I just, you know, I have like a little following on Instagram and like, I'm just doing this stuff. And I was like, little following. Cause like, I think I was sitting at like, I had just hit 10,000 followers, maybe like the week before you're sitting at like a hundred thousand. I was like, how did she find me? What brought her here? And I think it started with us talking about that video. It started mm-hmm. with us talking about intention, mm-hmm. but I think the the thing was you had already got it. You know what I mean? Like before we even sat down through those videos, you kind of had that perspective switch and maybe you were just coming for more of that reinforcement and like Mm -hmm. curiosity. Mm -hmm. And then I would say after 20 minutes, the call completely turned into like talking about me and my life and my career. (laughs) And you're like giving me, you're basically doing some sort of uh, guidance work with me. And we like left the call and we were like, well, that was a very 
divine and cool and fun connection. And then since then, we have literally just stayed in touch. And it's been so enjoyable watching you live your life. Because like you said, I feel like we're very much in sync with our lives look very different. But the lessons that we're choosing to embody, they're always so aligned. So kismet, so similar. Mm, yes. Well, and you guys too, we get on the call. She's like, wait a minute. And you you and Casey weren't engaged yet. <clears throat> but she's like, yeah, my boyfriend's a football coach. Like we had all of these. Yeah. I was telling her, I was like, you know, I'm I'm putting all of these things together. I'm going through, I don't know. I mean, how many spiritual awakenings do we think we can go through? But you know, when you keep reaching the next level, where we're like, wow. And I told her, I'm like, but I'm dating this guy. Because Austin and I had been together for like four or five months at this time or I think, I don't know, six months, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, I'm like, I'm dating this guy and I want him to know this about me. And I'm going through all these changes, but I was just looking for support. I think I just wanted someone to talk mm. to because Austin was so busy and we were doing long distance. It was kind of hard to get to that like depth of just telling him who I really am. And like, I, I told you, I'm like, how am I going to tell him that I do all this, you know, intense energy work and mediumship and all of these practices? Cause it's kind of a yeah. lot to just like, Hey, you know, just drop it on someone. And you were like, oh my gosh, like my boyfriend's a football coach too. We just had so many mm. um just similarities that I didn't even obviously know from following you on TikTok. It was right. so cool once we got on the phone call. You were like, wait, I feel like you could be an expander. And I was like, wait, yeah. I followed a ping. And then we both were like, we were both mm. doing the to be magnetic work. Or weren't weren't were you doing yes. the to be magnetic? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, this was like over a year ago. So I think that's what we were, but, yeah. um, which you guys know, we love shout out at to be magnetic. They're another podcast and account. They talk all about pings, which is taking intuitive guidance or following a, like a invitation from the universe, but it shows up at the little light bulb moment, like a little idea. And you just take inspired mm-hmm. action and it kind of, you know, scoots you along on your path, whatever it is that you're maybe manifesting or calling in. Um, and expanders, do you want to explain expanders from your perspective? Yeah, I think, I mean, pings and expanders both have dropped in more for me in the last year or so than ever before. Not because I'm looking for them, but because they're being given to me. Mm -hmm. They're like little gifts. And and expanders for me is when you see someone who is doing something that is in the same frequency as your own dream for yourself. Therefore, you are able to believe that it's also possible for you Mm -hmm. because our brain... I love thinking of the brain as the masculine and the body as the feminine. Like Mm. the brain is black and white. It's logical. It's like, show me what is possible by showing me that it is possible. So we, as humans, when we are thinking about what's possible, typically we're looking at that through the lens of what we've seen done before, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. why inventors and creators are so crucial for the evolution of this world is because people who are visionaries and can see something that hasn't been done before, like we have to hold those people close and keep them safe because not everyone can do that. It's like, if Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it, it must not be possible. So an expander is someone who is doing something that you would either like to do or they are the type of person that you would like to be. Therefore, it's actually helping you believe that it's possible for yourself. They're expanding what you see possible in the most beautiful way. And and we talked about this before we started recording. Like You are an expander for me in very certain ways, more in the light of you are just so you. Therefore, everyone accepts you as you, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you might get the occasional pushback from like random people on the internet, same as me. I I Mm -hmm. love to think of those as tests from the universe. 
again, very much a to be magnetic principle. Love Lacey Phillips and all of her work. Mm-hmm. But when you see someone who just, for example, you want, you want to start like really creating wealth for yourself, but maybe you didn't go to college. It's like, go find someone who's fucking crushing life who didn't go to college and is now thriving because that will help you connect those dots and make that dream of yours feel so much more real and so Mm -hmm. much more achievable. So having expanders in your life, like I have many different ones, all in different areas that help me, you know, when we're trying to call something into our life, feel that feeling. Expanders help you achieve that. Oh, that was such a good explanation. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yes. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's the concept of, I'm sure everyone's heard the four minute mile. You know, humans, we didn't know it was possible that we could run a mile in four minutes. No one had ever done it. Then one guy did it. And then like a month later, 500 people did it. Yeah. But for years, no one ran a, a mile. It was it under four minutes. I don't know. Broke yeah. the four minute mile. You guys, you know, uh, we're like sports terms. Us both have sportsmen, <laughs> but it's such a good, it's such a good physical representation of how people, didn't think it was possible. And then once one guy runs a mile under four minutes, then 500 people do it. But for years, no one ever did it. So Mm. it's so crucial. And kind of like what you said, I like how you said you have, I like fragment expanders too. Like I I follow, I have this like really um, specific way I follow people on TikTok and certain areas and platforms and podcasts because like when I was calling in a relationship, I would follow like five different couples that I really like to just watch. And I mm-hmm. loved, you know, how they communicated with each other or like this one couple, like I loved how they showed up on social media together. Like, oh, wow. If I was in a partnership, I would love to show up in this way. Like, I feel like if you start following people that are kind of just showing you what's possible or wow, if they're doing that, I could do that too. That's possible for me. That's really kind of how I almost... I feel like I was manifesting by just observing these people on social media and, and fragment expanders means basically like you don't want everything in their whole entire life. You don't want to copy and paste their life, but mm. you see things, you know, just how you mentioned before your sister. Um, I, I was saying how I saw, I follow her sister on TikTok and I didn't even know it was her sister. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you've inspired her to wear more color. Well, like, that's such a fun little fragment. Like maybe yep. before she had a different aesthetic and she's like, oh wow, that you give someone permission to wear color. Like mm. I think you can pick and choose really positive, you know, attributes from people and apply them to your life. And that can just be a really expansive. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we love to be magnetic. I could talk about expanders all day long. Yes. Okay. But I also wanted to circle back when you were saying I had a little light bulb moment about how when you get pushed back on the internet and how you mm. feel like that shows up as tests and you kind of um, reference Lacey's use of the word tests. But I personally want to hear your information. I really look to Emma, you guys, for advice. I got a a terrible attack last week on TikTok. It was really bizarre. Honestly, I couldn't even make sense of it. It was like, it was one of those things. It was like, but she had a really large following. She's like 300,000 followers Mm -hmm. and was stitching my videos and was green screening and pointing at me and like Mm-hmm. saying really weird. I mean, it, it honestly didn't make sense to the point where I was like, this person, something's like off with them. Right. But I would love for you to, and, and you guys don't have to have a following or have someone, but let's just talk about anyone in your life that is pushing back on something or making you feel less than, or just hurting your feelings. How to how, talk us through it. There are so many different <laughs> sides to this conversation. And okay. this is like, this is the stuff that lights me up. So first okay. and foremost, 
I want, I'll start with tests and then we'll talk about the people who come into your world to test you. Tests, I think at first, when I started to understand them, I was like, oh, you're in a video game. In order to get to the next level, you have to beat the little Pac-Man who are trying to like eat you or, you know, whatever those little monsters right. are in Pac-Man. <laughs> like they're going to be there. Just you have to move through that to get to the next level. Like that was my first awareness of, I just have to move through this. But what ended up happening was, a little bit of that like spiritual bypassing where I wasn't actually allowing myself to feel angry or sad or upset or hurt or wounded. I was just like, I have to not care. And it wasn't about not caring. The key to tests is not caring that you do care in a way, right? So like Mm. that hurt me, but I'm not going to go take action off of that hurt. I'm not going to abandon myself and agree with you who's giving me this, this pushback or this test. And The way that I like to describe it more now that it's evolved in my own brain, and I'll give an example of myself being literally torn apart on social media. (laughs) Way, way, way back in 2021, I was actually living with my sister and Casey at the time. And my sister, I love her to death, but she's younger. She's, She's Gen Z. And I was like trying to show up on TikTok. And I was like, how do I connect to TikTok? Cause I'm so used to like Instagram, long captions, stories. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I connect with my community. She was like, I'm gonna just make like quick videos. Like boom, boom, boom. Here's why to do this. She was like, you are a holistic health coach. You have so much knowledge of your master's in sports nutrition. Start teaching people about nutrition. So I go and I sit down and I make a video that's like, here's why you should have lemon water. Like things I do every day as a holistic health coach, part one. I drink lemon water. Here's why. Boom, boom, boom. Literally the words popped up on the screen. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. really say much, you know, it was a Mm -hmm. seven second video and it blows up. It gets like 5 million views, like millions of likes. And for every like, that's like, great, love this. There's someone who's like, this is not backed by science. And like, (laughs) where did she get her degree? Google.com and people like tearing me apart. So there was that. Also like it's lemon water. It's lemon water, man. Like it's, we're taking a citrus fruit. We're putting it in warm water and it's helping the digestive system. I kind of think I saw this, but oh yeah. Yes. And then months go by and I, I think actually almost a whole year goes by and some random man on the internet who also has a very large following stitched the video. And when I say tore me apart, like called me the C word, you know, <gasps> like C, yes, we don't even need to go there. Called me that, called me you know, making fun of being a holistic health coach. So he wasn't actually just coming at me, but like the industry, being a healer, um, believing in holistic modalities of healing. And it got so much traction. Like, and he posted it on both Instagram and TikTok. And we like tried to report and we tried to take the video down. It got down. And the first time that it happened, it really felt like this test of like, I have been asking the universe for something very specific. I would, at that point in my, my life, I was really trying to build and cultivate unconditional confidence. Meaning I'm confident if a thousand people like my photo, if a million people like my photo, or if one person likes my photo, right? Mm. Being a creator on socials. I was learning how to disengage from numbers on social media, from the amount of money in my bank account, or you know, just all of these very physical things. I wanted to be confident fucking regardless. So that's what I was manifesting at the time, right? So we start thinking about tests. I now believe them to be the opportunity on a silver platter that if you move through this as the embodiment of yourself, if you move through this while honoring yourself, loving yourself, showing yourself compassion, 
what it is that you're trying to become that next level of you is what's on the other side. It's not mm. always like the next level of life, but right. In order for me to become unconditionally confident, I had to be able to remain confident even when someone was, you know, coming at my character, coming at my career, coming at my language, coming at everything about me. That test came in and it shook me a bit. And then I was like, wait, how can I detach from him caring? Right. Cause like I care and there's a ton of people now like spamming my TikToks and commenting on all my other videos with like the lemon emoji and calling me like the lemon girl from that video. <laughs> like all of his little like soldiers and his like destructive army of hate came and, like they were spamming me. Right. And so I cared, but I didn't care that I cared. I cared, but I didn't go delete the video. I cared, but I didn't tell myself that he was right and that I should be embarrassed. Right. I didn't. I didn't abandon myself. And that is shadow work in a nutshell, right? It's when Mm. we choose to abandon ourselves in these moments of like micro trauma. And that was like micro could be a little bit macro trauma, having someone rip you apart in front of millions of people. But by not abandoning myself and remaining confident in who I am, even though it hurt, I was able to be the embodiment of someone with unconditional confidence. Like that is why that test dropped in for me. So this can happen in relationships. It can happen around money. Like right before a lot of us achieve, you know, a big manifestation, a big desire coming into our world, we'll get tested. Do we still have faith? We'll get tested. Do we still believe in ourselves? We'll get tested to move through the old fears that kept us at a certain point in our life. Like I'll never be good enough or I'll never do this or I'll never. Tests come in as opportunities to be the embodiment of the version of yourself that you're trying to be or the version of yourself that you need need to be in order to match what you want, right? Like mm-hmm. if I want to continue doing what I'm doing in this world on socials, I I can't let someone like him make me go run and hide and not post or delete what I've already created, right? I have to stay true to me amidst the chaos of the world. Mm. Wow. When you said he called you the C word, my I had to I take know. my jaw up off the floor. You guys, <laughs> I mean, I know y'all can't see my face right now, but I, I mean, the shock. It's just wow. It really is so. People that I, I don't. Do you leave your stitch feature on? First of all, I have a question. After all that happened, do you leave it, it on, or are you just like it was on? And then more recently, I turned it off because again, I've gotten a lot of small. Small, small, small micro people who like their video isn't getting a lot of traction, but it exists and they're tearing me apart, calling me privileged. I I made a video talking about love over fear and someone stitched it and was like, self-care is not going to end the systemic problems that we have in our culture. And I was like, true, but that wasn't what I was saying, right? And so like you're me just being like, hey, everybody, let's talk about intention setting. That... I just somehow got roped into someone else's agenda. And then I got people again coming to me and commenting on my videos being like, you're just a basic ass white girl. You're so privileged. Like you're so arrogant. Like it's easy for you to say, right? And so this is that second piece that I wanted to touch on is the people who come and deliver those tests, the people who come into your world to make you choose yourself. We have to remember that any projection onto us comes from someone else's wounding, someone else's trauma, 
And we do the same to others. When we're hurt, when we feel like we're not being seen or we want to be valid or we're judging ourselves, we project that onto other people. We judge from pain. It's just like, to me, I'm like, it's psychology 101. It's also spirituality one-on-one. What people choose to put onto you is not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. Right. Like you're, we are always mirroring to people either what they want to see or what they don't want to see. We are all mirrors for one another. So Mm -hmm. for people to see me and see my video, it made them feel some kind of way. Mm -hmm. And then they project how they feel onto me. And that's not a reflection of me. It actually has nothing to do with me. They might use my video. They might use my language or use my message, but it's actually not about me. So we have to create that level of separation for ourselves. Yes, on social media, but also in real life when we have friends projecting onto us, our parents projecting onto us, our partners projecting onto us. I'm like, you know, if Casey comes home and he's in a mood, I used to be like, what did I do? Now I have to earn his love. I have to heal him. I have to calm him down. And now I'm like, take the dogs and go in the fucking basement. Like hit hit a J. I don't know what you need to do, but like go, go do you have Somewhere your time. Else. I'm like, come back up when you're ready to not throw up the pain of your day onto me. Like I'll talk to you later. Yeah. No, I lo- I love that you can see the separation. Mm-hmm. And and when you show up on TikTok, you feel very brave. Cause I will say, like, to to be totally, I always want to be, I feel like the podcast mm-hmm. is my most vulnerable self. But I, I don't ever want to talk about people that attack me on Instagram because I don't want to ever give them attention because I think that's yeah. what they want. But I like to address it on the podcast because it's real. I still have struggles. People hurt my feelings and it hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Like mm-hmm. it, it, and it's actually probably in the last, you know, three months when I've started the podcast and just really stepped fully into this authentic version of me. Like I've been on the internet for five or six years and getting attacked on Instagram when I was a fashion blogger wasn't it would be like, I hate that outfit. It's ugly. And I'd be like, me, 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 me. I don't care. Yeah. You know, like that mm-hmm. didn't hurt. And then it would be like, you know, I, I've had people comment on my appearance or my weight or like, you look like you've gained weight or I don't even know, whatever. I've had people say stuff like that, that kind of hurt, but I made peace with that. Like that mm-hmm. was like, eh. I TikTok, I had it's a video. The wild, wild west. I had a video go viral back in August. That's why I'm saying I think you're really brave because you did. I actually ended up hiding the video for like a month because physically I was attacked so intensely on the internet. Like it caused me anxiety. I couldn't drink caffeine. I I really Mm -hmm. was having a hard time sleeping because the verbiage was that I always like to do a lot of like connecting people with their intuition. And so, you know, using your third eye, allowing you to connect with your higher self. I'm never, ever encouraging people to connect with anything outside of themselves that does not make them feel comfortable. But like you said, TikTok, you don't have enough time to fully people to really understand what it is that you do and how you operate and like, you know, maybe on every other video, I've always said like, I'm connecting with my higher self or this mm-hmm. is the container or whatever. But then people decided to take that video and drop every negative experience they've ever had with someone that is an intuitive or a medium or anything. And it hurt me in this place where, I mean, I was sick. Like I I was physically sick over it because people are like, this information could be harmful to someone's like mental health. Or a lot of people were saying, you know, if people have mental illness, they shouldn't be opening themselves up to spirits. And I'm like, hold up. I'm not telling anybody 
first of all, that has a mental illness to do this work or to open themselves up to anything. I'm talking about my higher self. Like I'm talking about my intuition and that could be your relationship with God. People just, it, they took it and they ran with it out the freaking door, down the street, jumped in the swimming pool. I mean, it, we went so many places that I wasn't mm-hmm. even touching. And I think the reason that hurt was that I know, and, and you say this too, I think we really share this mission. We All we want to do is help people. Like both of us, like mm-hmm. I look to you for advice. I love your advice. I love giving people advice. Like mm-hmm. I just want to tell people like, hey, I've been there. I want to hold you in my arms and be like, I promise you it's going to get better. I'm going to help you. Like I've just, I've been in these dark places and I know how it feels. And so when I see people struggling, I want to be like, listen, I promise Mm-hmm. There is light. This will lift. And so when people attack me saying that I'm causing, you know, harm or, you know, when I know that I'm not, I know that when I consult myself, I know there is no ill intention in my body. Like I know mm-hmm. I'm always rooted in love with everything I put out. But for someone to say that that wasn't the case, I mean, it, it, it shook me for weeks and I, I didn't post on TikTok. I, t- I hid the video. I just, I, I people stitched it. I turned the stitch off. I was like, hold up. Mm-hmm. I got to take a step back. And I just recently, this past month, gotten comfortable getting back out there. And then that's when I had this other girl with a large falling attack me. And I mean, she went she went somewhere. I, I, Austin and I were like, we don't even really know what she's talking about. Like it, mm-hmm. it was so unrelated to me. It was this like vendetta that she has with spiritual people. Yes. I might, I might know who you're talking about because she does it to a lot of people. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just super bizarre. But you know what? It didn't. She actually ended up, it was funny. I, I totally didn't give her the reaction. I, I sent a nice message to her on her post. I was like, I'm sorry, you don't feel connected to your intuition. It's not for everyone. That's all I mm-hmm. said. And um, she blocked me. And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of glad she blocked me because I didn't even want to see the video. I didn't even want to yeah. see what anyone had to say. But you know what? I bounced back quicker. Like I had about an hour where I was feeling really anxious. Like I never, like it's so... It breaks my heart thinking that anyone would ever think that I would do anything than try to help them. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I am never like, I want to empower people that they have so much information with their intuition. It's so empowering and liberating knowing, hey, I can consult myself. I don't have to look outside of me. I don't have to look at social media. I don't have to look at other people. And then when people are like, the fact that this girl believes in intuition, she's dumb. It's like, what? Yeah. Well, there are people who are dead set on being disempowered. Like that's where they get their power is thinking Mm -hmm. that they don't have any, right? Like that's their life. It's being a martyr. It's dedicating yourself to being the victim of your own life. And when people view the world in that way, and, and this is where I do, like I see both sides. Me and Casey were just talking last night about how chaotic the world is and there is so much pain and there is so much suffering mm-hmm. and there are people with mental illness and there are people who don't have access and resources to even clean water, right? When we think large scale, grand life, but also as someone like yourself and someone like me, I did not, I was not born into this world and handed you know, a, a checklist of what do you want your life to be like? This is the life that I was given. And I believe that I'm here to speak to those in resonance with me. I don't think that I'm here to solve the world's problems, but I'm here to speak to the people who are ready to let go of being a martyr, let go of being the victim of their own life and step into their own personal power. And the thing is, the more people who step into their personal power, the more change we will make in this world. So maybe it is me just speaking to an audience that's very in resonance with me. But if all of those people shift out of a fear and lack mindset of always dieting, always needing more, always trying to 
become something or someone else so that they get more acceptance or more validation or whatever it is that's creating our internal suffering. If we can get all of those people into a place of love and gratitude, like that's the ripple effect. That's the butterfly effect that those small changes are going to make the biggest waves in this world. And so when you, when you find people and you come across people who are dead set, on claiming that we are a victim to our life and that we can't control anything. And you just have to send them like love, just like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God bless. Like, I, I know how it feels to be in that position. I lived there for a long time. Like my body sucks. My friends suck. My family sucks. My life sucks. Everything's terrible. I hate my existence. I was chasing and trying to like crawl my way out but doing so in a way that only kept me in that suffering loop because it felt easier that way, right? I always had someone to blame or something to blame when I didn't feel good. If I didn't have a good day, it's because I hate the way I look in my clothes or I hate my body or you know, my relationship with Casey sucked. Like I've been with my fiance for 10 years and the first five years, we were both asleep, right? We're like living through the ego, every thought, that we had in our head, we thought it was true. So if I had a thought pop in my head that was like, you can't eat that today. You didn't work out enough. Mm -hmm. I fucking believed it. That was Mm -hmm. my truth. Mm -hmm. That inner dialogue was my truth. Not understanding that, you know, our thoughts are just a product of what we've seen before. And this Mm -hmm. is why women struggle. Diet culture. We are always being told to be less here, use this anti-aging this, you know, lose weight doing this. Like it's just been our culture. So no wonder so many women's dialogue, our brain program is around body equals Mm -hmm. worthiness. Mm -hmm. And for Casey, it was being a good athlete equals worthiness. So he Mm -hmm. was all up in his ego. I'm the all-American. I'm captain. I'm good. I'm, you know, king of campus. Like he also had to have that come to Jesus moment where he realized that's not who I need to be. That's not my worth. Like Mm -hmm. I'm worthy because I am me, not because I'm good at football or like, you know, and I think the more that we can create, like you said earlier, that separation between Mm -hmm. ourselves and our world and our energy, and then people who are just digging their feet into fear, the better, right? Like we send them love. You choose to step over that line and now you're reaching your hand out for help. I will be there for you, Mm -hmm. but I can't force anyone to change. I can't force anyone into some sort of awakening it happens very divinely and not everyone in this lifetime is meant to wake up to all of this, you know, we're not in control of that. Right. And, and that's just to, cause I actually want to go a little bit more into like the video and the love over fear. Um, but just to kind of mm-hmm. wrap that, just to tell the audience what I did when I saw this person, you know, with my video, my face behind her and she's green screen pointing uh-huh. and, you know, it, it's just so, I have always been someone that in person and personal relationships, I feel like everyone has liked me. And I don't mean mm-hmm. to sound arrogant, but I've just, I've never really had a lot of conflict with people just in life. Like I feel I'm easygoing and I'm friendly and I know I'm rooted in love. So I think that when I put that energy out, that's kind of just what's reflecting to me and just my life around me. But then you go to TikTok and there's people that aren't rooted in love. You know, they don't mm-hmm. share that. And then they just throw all their shit on you. And you're like, whoa, I've never even met a human like you before in my mm-hmm. real life. Um, but the first time was jarring and I had to completely withdraw and process for like a month. <laughs> the second yeah. time, though, I did. You know what I did? I did a journal prompt with myself. And I was like, I'm going to journal. 
And I'm going to, you know, I know my intention in the video. I just really told myself, I know the intention of my video is to help people and to love people and to spread love. And I wrote out a forgiveness letter to this girl Mm. in my journal and said, she had already blocked me and I wasn't really going to engage with her because it was, you know, crazy, but the video was getting traction. And so I was like, you know what? I, whatever. The people that follow her are, are not my people. Yeah. And I wrote a forgiveness letter to her and I said, I'm so sorry that that triggered you. Like literally like it was something that I would say, you know, we're obviously on a completely different wave. And I totally was just like, I send her so, I literally closed my eyes and imagined myself sending her love, like from my body to her. I was like, that's beautiful. I'm going to send her love. And I hope that one day, you know, maybe she'll feel that love. And I was just like, I let it go. I closed my journal. I turned my phone off and I went to bed. Mm. I slept through the night. And that for me was a victory <laughs> like because I've never had people tear me apart before. And I was just, it was really shocking. So anyways, that was how I handled it. If anyone ever has a situation and this doesn't have to apply to social media, this could be a coworker yelling at you, a boss yelling at you. This could be someone, anyone, my friend the other day, Shannon told me how this random person on the airplane yelled at her and just like shook her to her core, basically made her cry. And it's so, you know, when these people are coming from this place of fear or something terrible is going on in their life and then they yell at you, you're just like, what? What did I do? What did I mm-hmm. do to you? So anyways, that's um, that's been a practice. I, I write them a forgiveness or a letter in my journal and I close it and so it is and I move on with my day. So anyways. That's a beautiful practice though. It's very powerful because in a way it's like cord cutting. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're yeah. You're taking back power of the relationship that you have to that person and changing it from negative to now I'm going to whatever relationship there now is between us, whatever exists is now positive and in love. So really, um, I feel like uh, you and Casey have such a commitment to just choosing yourself and each other and the partnership over and over. And it's really inspiring because I say this all the time on the podcast and not so much on Instagram, just because that's, I keep it a little lighter there. Um, but I am so excited because I kind of told you before that, you know, when Austin and I moved to Florida, that was really for him. That was Austin's mm-hmm. wake up call. It was the first time his health had taken a toll in a scary way. You know, his birthday's next week. He's turning 35 and he's like, what? How did I get here? A fellow Sag? Yes. My birthday's next week. Oh my gosh. Um, His is the 21st. When is oh, yours? Mine's the 13th. 13th. Oh, well, his is in two weeks. Sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like, it's around. <laughs> it's um, coming. It's coming. <laughs> oh, happy early birthday. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I, I love a Sagittarius. Everyone in my life is a Sag. Like my friends are Sag. Austin's a Sag. Anyways. You um, need that fire. I do. I'm, I'm just off like floating in the backyard most of the time <laughs> on my hammock. So anyways, his mental health had taken a toll. You know, he never had any issue. And I really believe that God put that in his life to be like, hello, yep. wake up. You've got to prioritize yourself. You've got to meditate. You know, you've got to do these things. And it came from, it came to him in a very jarring way. But anyways, I am so excited because I feel like when we moved to Florida, it was the first time that we could really, like we had a great relationship and we had that initial attraction and spark. And I tell people all the things, but then there comes to a point in the relationship where you have to do the work, you know, as the individual and you have to do the work together. And I think a lot of times people think that if you have to do work, the relationship is bad or broken or not meant to be or whatever. Mm. 
And, and even, even Austin kind of had that, you know, that, 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 um, where I would told him, like, someone asked us was like, has y'all's relationship changed since you moved to Florida? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. But for me, in the best way, right? Like, we're now on the same wavelength where he understands me better and he understands what I do and he understands that energy is real and he understands that, you know, these practices are, you have to do them every day to just take care of yourself, right? Or mm-hmm. else, you know, he was feeling anxiety and all these feelings he's never felt before. And he realized that this is now a part of his identity is being in tune of his energy. Whereas before he wasn't, and I was mm-hmm. always talking about it. We weren't really on the same page ever, mm-hmm. but then he experienced it. And now we have this understanding where he's like, oh, I really understand why you're dedicated to your craft, to your mm-hmm. morning routine, to your meditation. I get it now. You know, yeah. so when someone asked, oh, your relationship is, has changed moving forward. And I was like, yes, our relationship has changed. He was kind of triggered. He's like, hasn't changed our relationship. And I was like, no, but change is good. You know, mm-hmm. this change is good. Change it's is evolved. It's evolved. Right. So I've, I've had to kind of tell him like, Hey, we're going to go into different phases in our relationship and it's going to change and it's going to look different. And it's kind of like getting a cold, you know, like you get yeah. sick for a little bit and your body comes back stronger. Right. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with the relationship. You might have these moments of, sleepless nights or things happening out of our control or things that have been hard. We talked last mm-hmm. night, we're like, damn, this year has been hard. Like our relationship has had very low. There was points in our relationship where I thought our relationship was over mm-hmm. with when his, when he was coaching and we were apart. I'm like, how could we survive? But we've come back stronger. And I, yep. I just don't think people tell, like, even when I met you and you told me all these things, I'm like, yes, we like, mm-hmm. yes, everything you said, I'm like, we are going through yeah. this kind of evolution where we're both waking up to a new version of self, but you just have to keep choosing each other and the relationship, but no one mm-hmm. ever talks about it. And I, I feel like you do such a good job sharing your relationship on Instagram yeah. or just, you just share things in such a way that are just so like, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. All, I'm just like, <laughs> it is like when I share about Casey, people really respond. Like if I write a caption just about our relationship or I write a caption about sex or intimacy. And this was more, I would say pre 2022, Emma, like captions were my fucking jam. You were, you were going to sign up to read like a, like a journal entry or a diary entry for mm-hmm. me, right? You were getting a really good look into my life. And I still do that, but this year has really been different forms of creation, playing around with reels or TikTok or what have you. Mm-hmm. But when I speak about my relationship with Casey, people really, really respond. And it's not necessarily because me and Casey are like, put us on a pedestal. We're amazing. But it's because there's such a lack of transparency about what it means to be in a true partnership. Like mm-hmm. it's been 10 years with so many nights of can we do this? Is it right? Are we forcing it? Or is it just easier to stay together? And that's why we're doing it because we've been together so long, right? Like come to Jesus moments, moments where I'm writing him a four page letter because that's the only way I know how to articulate myself. And he's now being smacked in the face with his own truth and so many ups and downs. But again, the the way in which we have gotten to this point where we're at, where we are like engaged, we're getting married next year and we're so fucking happy. Like we Mm -hmm. are dumb happy. Like mm. I cry of gratitude. I just look around at our dogs and I look around at our place. And it's like, we don't live in a big fancy house. We live in a townhouse because this is like our first starter home. And you know, we're, we're, he's working back at our alma mater. Like we're back in this area that we love on the seacoast, like Portsmouth, New Hampshire is absolutely gorgeous. But it's when we finally surrendered either of our need to be right or to be heard and to be valid. And we started thinking about how the other person was feeling and 
yes, I think love languages are good. I think there's two things to this. Love languages are beautiful, but at the same time, I heard a perspective once I, I've never been able to shake, which was, Ooh. which was if you get into a partnership and you tell somebody, I know that you love me, but I need you to love me in this way. Mm. What is that really saying about love? You're making your love conditional. You're Mm -hmm. loving people through conditions and you only receive love through certain conditions versus saying, what if I opened myself up to all forms of love, right? Mm -hmm. Because clearly if we don't like a certain kind of love or we prefer a certain kind of love, it's it's probably linked to trauma or to our childhood. Mm -hmm. And we were taught that this means love the most. But what about this? What if your partner really wants to express themselves this way and you're telling them no? I need gifts or I need time or I need, Mm. you know, words. And, you know, so me and Casey have kind of played around with that. And now the way in which we love each other is like, for example, last week he got, he was sick and he had a huge playoff game that weekend. Like if Mm. they won the playoffs, it would have been this huge thing. Like they haven't made the playoffs in years since Casey was the player here. So it was just like this huge, so much energy. Like I was like anxious all week. And he starts coming down with a cold. So he has practice on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And of course, it starts pouring rain. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. the game's on Saturday. It's raining. Like, we need to get ahead of the cold. So I like run to Hannaford's. I get like an immunity shot, a coconut water, bone broth. And I like drive to campus. I leave a little note. I leave it on his desk. I look out the window of the field house. I like see him on the field. I like run out. I'm like leaving him a cute little gift, right? Not because he loves receiving gifts, but because that was me choosing to be thoughtful, choosing to show up, choosing Mm -hmm. to think, how could I support him the most today Mm -hmm. in this moment? Is it words of affirmation? Like I could have sent him a text like, love you, feel better. But what he needed was a physical act. It was a gift. It was being of service. So that's how I showed up for him. And then this morning I was like, Casey, like I have, I'm going to go on Anna Grace's podcast. And he was like, oh my God, this is the girl that like you guys have been, I was like, yes, I'm like so excited. He's like, okay, so what do you need for me in the morning? Mm. And I was like, um, well, I definitely need to sleep. He's like, okay, what time do you want to wake up? I was like, eight, 8.30. He's mm. like, okay, do you want me to cook or do you want me to go out and get something? I was like, I would honestly just love like a Starbucks coffee. And this is not, we don't go to Starbucks super often, but I was like, Starbucks, half-calf Americano. Mm. I was like, I'm going to dabble with some gluten today. Get me a bagel. So I come home or I don't come home. I wake up to him being like, it's time to get up. And I go, why? Like that was my, that was my initial reaction this morning. I was like, why do I have to get up? He's like, you have a big day. Like you're going to go on a podcast. And I was like, oh, right. Like <laughs> that type of like, I feel so comfortable where like he literally is such a crucial role in my morning routine. Now, like he wakes me up, he gets a robe for me, like helps me crawl out of bed. None of this stuff occurred even three years ago. We didn't do that for each other Mm -hmm. because I was like, this is how I like to be loved. That's how you like to be. And it was just so like me. It was Mm -hmm. how do I feel? What do I need? And also, I think I touched on this at the beginning of the episode in some way. I kind of forget how, but anything that he did, I always made it about me. Like if he was quiet, I was like, well, now I'm going to be quiet. And like, if he was upset, I was like, well, why is he upset? And it was just like this Mm. weird exchange where there was no, are you okay? Like what's happening? It was like, why are you upset? You know, it was Mm. more like snippy and like trying to hold each other accountable out of fear through our own lens of like unworthiness. And so we've done a lot of work individually and Casey also, his physical health brought him to his come to Jesus moment. He got back surgery in college Mm. And since then, if he 
if he's not like staying on top of like his core strength, his like pelvic floor, like, it, and that gets weak, he can slip a disc and then he has sciatica, like the nerve pain in his yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah. So when his mental health is poor, he stops working out. When he stops working out, he ends up having this physical reaction, right? And sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he does work out and it still hurts. And we know, we know at this point now it's very tied to emotions. That's mm. where it manifests for him. But like, we've had to work on this. Like we have worked so hard and I feel like our relationship now has made every painful night, every painful conversation so worth it. But it, it was less about, I'm right. You need to understand me. And it was more about going and doing the work alone to be like, why do I need them to get this? Where is that coming from? And then also being willing to like get out of my own head, get out of my own needs and being like, wait, what is he saying? Because we would fight about fighting. You know, when you're at that point in a relationship, where it's like, it would start with something small and then it would be like, you always do this when we fight. You never listen. It's always about you. You always make me the... So there's no, like the fight was about fighting, you know? Mm-hmm, mm. And when we realized, oh my God, we're literally just yelling at each other about being heard. Maybe there's nothing actually wrong other than our own wounds, like asking to be like stroked, nurtured. We're recreating trauma. We're recreating chaos because that feels safe for us. Mm-hmm. Like that fighting loop, we had to get out of it. I don't think we've had a blowout fight in like a year. Yeah. And, and like that we're 10 years in now. And it's not to say we won't. I think a lot of times fights can be like that catalyst and that realignment that people need. If you get a little bit too far out of alignment with yourself or with each other, there's going to be a catalyst that realigns you. But we, we learned how to communicate. We learned how to show up. We learned how good it can feel to serve that person out of love. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it makes me so happy to make him happy. And especially for him, stepping more into his divine masculine, which is protect, provide, serve. I now get to hang out in my feminine more. I get to receive more. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time in our relationship, I was in the masculine and he was in the masculine. Like we were both trying to do and control and give, but now we also found the harmony within our energies and things like that. So As you said, it takes work. Work is not an indicator that things are wrong. Work is an indicator that your relationship is worth putting more into. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh. I had like so many light bulbs off of everything that you're saying. I'm starting, but I'm also just so captivated by your storytelling. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I'm like, yes, yes. I mean, it's so, it really is because you guys are so inspiring in everything you've gone through. And then the fact that you're like, now we're so happy. I just, I feel like a lot of people just kind of give up and, and I get that. Or people don't understand that, you know, change can be good or the, mm-hmm. this shit has to break in order for us to put it back together in a way that feels even better for us. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's interesting. I liked that perspective about the love languages because Austin, I would always be like, what is your love language? And because I, I actually see, really agree with both perspectives. Yes. When same. we were doing long distance, I did not feel satisfied in our relationship because my love language is physical touch and quality time. Like I could not, I don't feel loved when you just get one hour a day to call me. Like yep. that's not enough for me to really feel safe in this relationship. Whereas he didn't totally understand that because he's like, this is all I have and all that I have is what I'm giving you. Right. So, 
but we, I kind of told him, I'm like, my love language is physical touch. It is quality time. It's being together and spending time. Whereas his is more acts of service and gifts, but we were just apart. So, you know, that conversation, we decided, okay, well then we, we need to move in together or move on, you know? So there mm-hmm. has been times where love languages has come up as like, this is a red flag. But now, because he always said, he's like, I actually don't really believe in love languages. I feel I should just give you love however is coming in the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And he is really good. Like we've gone through times where I'm needing more, you know, words of affirmations. And he's very, he's really good at picking up on what I need. I will say Mm -hmm. he, he knows when I'm kind of down, he's like, okay, I'm gonna give her a pep talk. You know, we love, we love our coaches giving us like a pep talk. Like we're a player. I'm like, pump me up coach. So then it's more words of affirmation, even though words of affirmation really isn't my love language specifically because I'm on the internet, I've kind of had to disassociate from what people say to me. Yes. Because if it's good, I can't allow myself to feel, oh, good. Because when it's bad, I feel bad, you know? So I just take it all as, Mm -hmm. as words. (laughs) So words of affirmation, you know, I really want him to like hug me or whatever. Anyways, he was always like, I don't totally believe in that. And I love what you said because it's true. Like there are times where I'll get home from a road trip and he has like a beautiful meal made for me. Or he's written me like a love letter. Or, you know, the first time he ever said, I love you, he wrote me a little poem. It was like so sweet, you know? And and those weren't all just physical touch or just quality time. It was just what I needed in the moment. And it was just Mm -hmm. his way of showing love. And he'll kind of say that. He's like, we can't just be, you know, physical touch. We have to just allow love when it, you know, just when I'm feeling inspired. And I feel like he's naturally just so, he lives really intuitively without even knowing it. You know, he's just like, Casey too. he's just like, it's love. And I just want to show you love. And it doesn't have, and I'm the one that's like, it needs to be a certain way. It needs to look like this. And he's like, no, it doesn't. It's just, why mm-hmm. don't we just live? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, interesting. <laughs> mm. I'm like, you're so right. Cause I mean, I think a lot of times, I think we kind of touched on this too. Like I, I talked about a lot how I've redefined my relationship with sex in relationship with Austin because I felt like before sex was always a way for me to feel validated. You know, like yeah. I need validation that my partner at the time wants me or, you know, whatever. Like it was very about me. Mm-hmm. And then with Austin, he's so in his power. Like it, it, it completely made me realize that I was out of my power, if that makes sense. Like yep. he's like, like you really have to take a step back as a relationship and, and, and you're engaged. And also Austin mm-hmm. and I are not engaged, but he's my long-term. You have to really cultivate what your relationship looks like from a sexual perspective too. Oh like God. you have to, to decide how do we want that to to look and what yes. do we want that intention? You know, is there intention mm-hmm. with our intimacy? And that, that kind of goes into quality time and physical touch for me as well. So I know that you... Uh, I, oh, you, I'm like... Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like me, I'm like me and Casey, I, I have been through a complete sexual awakening in the, in the last year. Oh, I love it. And, Tell me more. And, you know, I do a lot of work around that because losing my virginity in high school, it's like my high school boyfriend, like it was... Ooh, like you're going to have sex now. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go prepare. I'm going to go watch porn. I'm going to go watch porn. So I know what to do. And men, <laughs> what all, <is> it? <laughs> all boys, right? The yeah. majority of the ones in our generation that we come into contact with, they grew up on porn. So the only lens that our generation has about sex, which is different than intimacy, but can be very much go hand in hand, 
is through this lens of, of porn, which is performance, which is faking. It's all about the lighting and how it looks and how it sounds versus how it feels. Mm. And I've talked very openly about my sex life and my sexual experiences. Not like, oh, here's what we do, but more my thought process and my body and my energy and what I've had to go through in order to be able to even experience pleasure sexually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Last year, was it? Yeah, 2021. I'm like, what fucking year is it? I don't even know. I'm like, where are we (laughs) time-wise? Yeah, I ran a seven-day self-love challenge in February of 2021. And every single day of this, those seven days, I like posted a very vulnerable photo and this like fun photo shoot I did with my sister, but like a very deep caption about lots of things. Me and Casey met when we were 18. We started having sex with each other when we were 18. And both of us, we, we openly talk about it now. We were in our head, not the body. We were performing. I was like, this is what a girlfriend should do. This is what a girlfriend should say. This is what the girl should sound like. This is what I should look like. This is what I should be into. And Casey now can openly be like, I was the same. Like, I was just like, this is what sex looks like. And so the sex that we had for a long time, like, yes, we loved each other. Yes, there were so many moments of like great intimacy, but there was also a lot of just performance and me not knowing like, is this it? Like, is this sex? Is this going to be the rest of my life? Really struggling to have orgasms, faking it 90% of the time because I didn't know that he was going to be my fucking husband the first time we had sex. So if I faked it that time, then do I have to fake it the next time? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so then it just became this lie that I was living and it it weighed on me so much. And I was always like, I, I, nobody knows this because I didn't want anyone to know that I struggled and I didn't want Casey to think that it was his fault. And I I didn't know who to blame. And I was so lost sexually for so long, even though I was in a partnership where I did feel safe and loved and secure Mm -hmm. on the surface inside of myself. I didn't because I didn't trust myself. I wasn't willing to explore myself. I wasn't willing to let pleasure in in sex look differently than I Mm -hmm. saw it look in porn when I first started watching it. And now we're at this place where, you know, it was actually 2019. I went through a spiritual awakening and I sat Casey down and I was like, listen, I fake nine out of 10 orgasms with you and I can't, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I don't, I was like, I feel, I feel icky. I start getting anxious when we're going to have sex. Cause I'm like, is it going to feel good enough tonight? Am I going to have to fake it tonight? Like, and it had nothing to really do necessarily with him. I mean, it definitely did because clearly I didn't feel comfortable enough to have that conversation with him, but more so I didn't even feel comfortable enough to have it with myself. And the issues that I had were even outside of the bedroom. You know, even when I would have my solo pleasure practice time, there was pressure and, you know, it should look this way and feel this way and it should be easier. So I've done a lot of energetic work on clearing trauma out of my womb space, sexual shame out of my life, just from like past lives, generational trauma, my own existence. But now me and Casey, I think it was through that me spilling the beans and being like, dude, like I I, I actually really struggled to have an orgasm. And I've been so embarrassed to tell you that I've just been like playing the part and I can't do it anymore. It's so out of integrity and so out of alignment with me. Mm. This is like post-spiritual awakening. And he was like, I didn't know 
but I'm also like not shocked because I also feel disconnected. Like we would always be like, we love each other, but there's this wall between us where we can't achieve this, this extra level of intimacy that we both craved. And neither of us knew how to feel safe enough to let that down with one another. So fast forward to where we are now. I've done so much work on my own Reiki energy healing, you know, meditating with my crystals and, you know, putting my black, black onyx crystal, like on my womb space and really trying to cleanse that area. I've had to do a lot of reframing work around how I viewed sex and intimacy. Mm -hmm. We both had to stop consuming porn at all. I was like, you have to stop because it's toxic as fuck. And he now is like, oh my God, I can't believe that that's what I used to think was normal. And so I was talking to my clients about this because intimacy is a cornerstone of, of what I do with women that I work with. Not because I'm some guru, but because I'm willing to have a conversation with people, which mm-hmm. allows them to explore it for themselves. But to kind of like have this wrap up moment, like me and Casey are having the best sex we've ever had now because we're back to the basics. And we had this one conversation that I'll share where I was like, Casey, we love Game of Thrones. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No, but I know like I know what it's about. I was like, Casey, imagine living at that time. I was because like there's so much sexual tension. Mm-hmm. I was like, you have nothing to base sex off of other than I'm, you know, the women, their girl was like 16 years old. I'm like, you're I'm a 16-year-old girl, and all of a sudden I'm getting a lot of sensation in these parts of my body, and so are you. And then we come together and we don't really know what to do, but we're letting our bodies tell us what we can do and what would Mm -hmm. feel good and what would feel right. I was like, imagine how much better sex was before porn existed. Because we all look at sex through this lens of this is what it does look like versus how should it feel Mm -hmm. to us. So we're having the best sex ever, but it's like, to a lot of people, it's going to be vanilla. It's like the same three or four positions, but we're like in them and we're like, connected. It's and all it's, about the energy. It doesn't matter. It's all about the energy. It, it has nothing to do with what I'm saying or what it sounds like. It's all about how do I feel? How does it feel that we're doing this together? How does it feel that we're sharing this and that we love each other enough to participate in this type of like ceremony? Like, And we don't make it super spiritual. To me, it's very spiritual. And, <laughs> and this year, I'm like going through some sort of sexual awakening because it's the first time that my body is leading the way and not my mind. And that has changed the game of intimacy for both me and for Casey. And again, there's so much shame around it. There's so much like, you know, he's a fucking football coach and he works with guys and it's like, oh, I'm going to go out. Like, who am I going to take home tonight? And I'm like, God bless that girl. And I (laughs) hope that she has enough integrity to step into that situation, being her true self and and owning what she needs. But a lot of us don't. And I was in a relationship with the man that I'm going to marry and I didn't. So I hope that that can like lift some stigma off of it too. Sometimes it's not just about like, are they the right person or not? It's like, am I willing to be fully me? And are they willing to be fully them in order to like make that experience something super special? Wow. I am obsessed with you. It's so, I mean, that's such a powerful conversation because there is not enough transparency in this space about relationship, intimacy, sex. There's so much pressure. I was watching, I was watching the holiday the other day with Cameron Diaz. Do you know? I love that movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I stand for her. Like, I know she's just like a classic icon, but I love it. She's like, 
sex is complicated. She's like, when you're having it, it's complicated. When you're not having it, it's complicated. Like, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. and I just, I laugh because it's so true. Like you're like, are are you having enough sex? You're not having the right kind of sex. Like, Mm -hmm. is this vanilla? Is this what everyone else is doing? And, And everyone, like no one really like knows, but then like, you know, that the stuff that's portrayed on the internet or in media is all fake. Mm-hmm. And I've been really into talking about sex from a spiritual perspective because mm-hmm. I, and I try to tell Austin's because it makes, it makes Austin uncomfortable when I talk about it publicly. And I, I will, I always tell him like, I will never talk about you sexually. Like I protect your identity and yes. your privacy, but the concept, because I can see energy and I go into the Akashic records and I realize that sex is, this is a lot about what I'm, I've mentioned to you, I'm writing a book. Yep. Yep. It's about mm-hmm. food and sex. That's all I'm going to tell you guys at AGU. You'll, you'll hear more soon, but sex is given to us. And this is how it comes through in the Akashic records, which angel reading, God's plan, whatever you guys want to call it as a healing modality. Mm-hmm. Sex is something that is really, it's a time where we can access this life force information and it, it brings two people together. It does not matter who you are, what you look like, sex, ginger, anything. This is, it's, it's more than just a solo experience is when you bring people together. As we know, when yep. we meditate in groups, it's more powerful, you know, mm-hmm. when we, that's why monks are in a monastery, you know, it's the same thing. We have this, this ability to tap into this life force energy that's supposed to be a healing energy in our body. And, mm-hmm. and that's why sex with a partner is so much more powerful because you're bringing in the energy of the other person. But I actually, when I was going through this, this getting this information, I downloaded from the Akashic Records, I say downloaded, basically just means I journaled, um, a womb clearing course. And I actually had never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned it. um, And and basically how as women, you know, if we take anything into our body and something penetrates us, no matter what it is, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's something entering our womb, which is we manifest from that, that region of our body. Yeah. And, and so the much sacral. is sacral chakra. So much is stored mm-hmm. there. And if we've ever had a negative sexual experience or there was abuse or sexual trauma, yep. you know, we have to clear out that space to really allow in healthy. And, and I think, I don't think that I had, um, capital T trauma, sexual trauma, yeah, but I think I had micro, you know, this could be, something to explore, just, you know, really showing yourself love and and acceptance and saying, I'm, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I am perfect. Mm -hmm. And, and I love myself and, and there is a future where I can have beautiful experiences with sex because it's meant to be a healing modality, not to bypass anyone's experience, but just showing people that there is there is this reality where mm-hmm. sex is healing, you know, with the right person and the right intention. But I also think a lot of that for me was tied to um, having a low self-worth of my body image. Yep. Same. And that's where sex was really a way for me to feel validated. Like, oh, I'm worthy or men find me attractive or, you know, they want to have sex mm-hmm. with me or whatever. I was definitely always a relationship girl. I didn't sleep around a ton. I mean, I've, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. There's been <laughs> partners. I know you've been with Casey for a long time. I just I know. to other people. Like mm-hmm. I've had casual sex. I've thought about exploring more of like an open sexual partnership, but I realized it just wasn't the right person. Now that I'm with Austin, I'm like, I couldn't even imagine it being an open yeah. <laughs> situation. Yeah, right. Like 
Um, but I've also, sex has always been really important to me. And now that I'm in a relationship with someone for a long term, I, I see its spiritual value of how you literally yeah. for actually for this is a fun fact for four days after you have sex with someone, you actually, it, it is like this cord. It's, yep. It is a soul tie and you have like a telepathic connection almost with someone when you're sexually involved with them for. Mm-hmm. For up to four days afterwards. So yeah. anyways, I thought that was an interesting thing. But all of this came through in the Akashic Records in, in support for the book that I'm writing that sex is, a lot of us are misusing it, you know, and it's been portrayed yeah. in a way in the media, whereas it's meant to heal you and be a, a way you heal the relationship and you come together and inform this trust and also just love for yourself and love for your partner and in a whole nother way where a lot of times we're also guarded. We can't like let our guard down and and get to that place of intimacy. Cause like you said, a lot of times with people, you know, experience orgasm for women, it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it, and then like you said, like, you know, so certain people, your relationship might look vanilla, whatever. I think it, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the performance stuff, like, fuck that. It's, it's about yep. the energy. And, and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, but I'm just saying, I love talking about this stuff and I, yeah. I want to do more in the sexual, spiritual space. Cause sex is mm-hmm. such a, it's an intimate, it's the most intimate thing we will ever experience in this. Yeah. This yes. Body. And, and when I knew, cause I've known for a long time that like there was so much for me, it was internalized trauma around sex. It was not mine to claim. It wasn't like someone was like, Emma, if you get turned on, you're fucking gross. It was never like, nobody came to me and told me that it was wrong or I should be ashamed. I internalized it through the culture that we lived in. Like the the micro trauma that I feel like I went through was in middle school, there was a rumor that ran around that some girl masturbated. The word masturbate was triggering for me ever since that day because I was, I remember like being in middle school and like, feeling my body for the first time and exploring myself for the first time, which is normal and which is natural. But then this girl got labeled like weird, gross, slut. And then all the other girls were like, I would never do that. Like I would never masturbate. And it was like this thing that I went through at what, 12 years old, 13 years old that I literally carried until this last year of my life was I able to really release that and be like, it's not shameful to be turned on. It's not shameful to be in your body. It's not shameful to experience pleasure. and. Of course, as you said, my body got tied into it because I was so athletic. I carried this belief that because my body was not classical sexy, that I could not embody sexual energy. Like I felt too masculine in my body and too masculine also in my energy. That feeling sexual and sensual felt so icky, sticky, uncomfortable, awkward. Like I'd never let myself embody that energy before. And so this past year, like this awakening that I'm talking about, it's like the first time that I feel sexy and I feel sensual. I'm inviting senses in. I'm like doing twerking meditation healings and opening up the (laughs) root and the sacral. And like, you know, and I think I used to get really embarrassed dancing because I'm not out here. Like the the way that you dance, my body doesn't move that way. I am (laughs) athletic as fuck. I'll go put on a weighted vest and bust out 48 (laughs) chin-ups. Not anymore, but in my prime. Like I was, 
I had the best power lift, like clean on the team. Oh yeah. When I played division one field hockey, now I'm like Pilates and walking, but like <laughs> I can't dance that way. So I, I always used to be like, I'm not going to try. That'd be so embarrassing. But now that I just like let my body move and I'm actually clearing old energy and I'm literally twerking, which is a sacred healing practice. If anyone follows Sahara Rose, she talks about this all the time, how healing twerking is not in like the way that we think about it, but actually like opening up the hips, shaking energy out of that. Mm -hmm. We carry so much energy in the womb space, but it's like, there've been so many things. There's been meditations and journaling sessions and open, transparent conversations with Casey to get me to this point. But the things that were in the way of me being able to be my most liberated self sexually was a lot of internalized trauma, a lot of this is not safe for me to experience. I feel too vulnerable or too exposed or too awkward or too uncomfortable. So it was easing myself into comfort. It was like mirror work and dancing with my red light on in my room and doing a lot of solo pleasure practicing myself, which isn't centered around having an orgasm. It's just tapping into the senses of my body. Like there's all of those things that I had to do And I'm so willing to be open and vulnerable about it in case he supports that. But I think there's still such a stigma. And then there's also this split where people in the spiritual space who talk about sex, that used to really intimidate me. They'd post those photos with like the two souls like intertwined. It was like, like, if your sex doesn't feel like this, you're with the wrong person. And I was like, I definitely don't feel like that with Casey. Like I'm still in my head. I'm still struggling to even like exhale into the into the experience is that does that mean that I shouldn't be with Casey whereas now that's exactly what our sex feels like but I had to do work to get there and he had to do work to get there and now we can come together to experience it so there's a lot that we see in the world that can make us contract a little bit and so it's more so to just say if you feel like there's room to grow sexually it's kind of like your own journey to explore. And there's not one right way to do it or one right way that it has to look. Oh, 100%. And and, and I love that you're saying, I saw something on TikTok the other day. It's like, if you ever had sex, it felt like your soul left your body and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow. But instead of being like, I think a lot of people be like, no, what? Mm -hmm. Like, but I think that it's just that you have to get to a place of being comfortable and secure and knowing that you're first of all, safe with this partner to explore further. You know, what does Mm -hmm. that look like? What do you actually want? What do you actually like? Like Mm -hmm. what feels good to you? Not what people said, not what people tell you, like, and actually having a conversation. And and I don't want people to even think, I can have this conversation with you so easy all day long. It's a little bit more difficult because with Austin, you know, I don't ever want to make him feel bad about, you know, like you don't ever want to hurt some your partner's feelings. Mm. Whereas I'm just wanting to have a conversation or about, you know, like, what do you like? Like, I don't know. Like what just, I just want to talk about it. Not because anything's wrong, just because... I want Mm -hmm. to explore more, you know, like how could sex be more of a healing practice? And I've never done that before. So it doesn't mean, you know, Mm -hmm. how would we know how to do that? Does it mean that Casey, yeah, Casey was so uncomfortable when I was like, hey, like we've talked about it. We would like talk about talking about it. We'd be like, let's have a conversation about this at some point. Yeah. Put it it on the to-do. But then like I would 
I'd be like, do we talk about it before sex? Do we have sex and then talk about the sex we just had? Like, when are we supposed to sit down and talk about it? And I could sense his discomfort of being like, like, I don't know. And so when I finally, like, I was like, dude, you clearly also have some shame wrapped up in, in the sex that me and you are participating in. Not like our sex is shameful, but like how you're viewing sex and your discomfort in like having conversations around it is, is more so showing that we need to like do more with this, with this. And so we've, we've learned how to openly communicate about it from this place of trust in ourselves and trust in another. But like we now, like when we have sex, like I need to hug him for like two minutes beforehand. I need to have like my heart on his heart and to just lay there and just like exhale for a bit Mm -hmm. to let my body know that I'm safe. Cause I can be in my brain all day. Like, Oh, I love Casey. We're safe. Like I'm safe, but like my body doesn't always know if my body's in fight or flight from the day. If I had a hard work day, if I was doing more masculine tasks during the day, I need to like exhale. And I think that's also like worked for him. Like it started off with like, I need this. And now when we do it, like we'll just like lay in bed or I like make him sit on one of the bar stools because then I can fully koala him. I can like wrap (laughs) my legs around his back and I just like lay there and like I'll feel him like take the exhale with me. And then from there, it's like, okay, like I know you, you know me, we're here, we're in this together. Nothing bad could happen between. It's like that just full body reassurance of like, where are each other's partners? Mm. Whereas I think... I saw someone post about it of like, I, I've been with my partner six years and I still don't know how to initiate sex. Like neither of us were good at initiating. And now it's like, do you feel like connecting tonight? Like, do you want to like connect tonight? Like that's kind of how we like lead into it. And it starts with wanting to connect, not always like, I don't know. I think we used to idolize wanting to like, fuck, I guess. Be like, yeah. ooh, like, let's, you know, like a quickie. I'm like, I don't need a quickie, actually. Nine times out of 10, that's not what I need. I need right. slow, I need soft, I need patience. And so it's like a lot more unlearning than it is learning. I'd say it's like 90% unlearn everything you know about sex and like 10% you have to learn a little bit along the way. But it's worth, again, it's worth the work. But what I will say is we've been together for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like we had to do a lot of other things in the relationship mm-hmm. before sex became that really big, let's focus on this. There was a lot of other stuff that had to be sorted through, I guess you could say first, but it's been it's been a fun journey and I thought it was going to be way more difficult, but it's actually a lot more empowering the more that we move through it. That, that's been the thing that I've been trying to tell just anyone that will listen. I'm like, success, it can be fun. It can be mm-hmm. playful. It doesn't have to be so serious and like intense and like we have to do it. And like, mm-hmm. you have to have sex this amount of times and, you know, like, or else you're not doing it enough. Or like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like there was just like a lot of like things. There's just a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. And, Austin's kind of been forced into the conversation. Well, because one, I'm writing a book and I want to bring on a sex therapist to educate people that I'm writing in the book. And I always tell him, I'm like, Austin, this is not really, this is a, I have a bigger purpose in this lifetime. Like, you know, he kind of got like thrown into it being like, oh my gosh, well, like, what are you saying? Like, not that he felt attacked, but him talking about it made him like, and especially publicly. So I got actually got a brand deal um, with this brand called Mod. Have you heard of Mod? Mm-mm. Um, they, I feel like you would like their, they're like really aesthetic and, um, they make pieces that are like 
um, all natural, like lubricants and condoms and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. This is not an ad. This is about an Instagram ad, but I got the ad and they make these like little, like super cute sex toys and vibrators and things that you can like integrate into sex easy. I just like that. Like, I just thought they were cute. They just resonated with me. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Yeah. I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, those are like such cute little sex toys and they'd be really easy to like implement in your sexual routine, whether it is solo or with a partner, if you're single mm-hmm. too. Um, and I remember getting the ad and I remember like asking Austin, I'm like, are you comfortable with like me talking about this on Instagram? And I remembered so many people were saying like, they better be paying you so much money. Like for the, the fact that you would get on your story and talk about that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, one, they're paying like above average of my rate, but no, they're not paying me like tens of thousands mm. of dollars or anything. Like I, I, it was the, the fact that no one would touch the ad. And I felt so... I'm like, send it my way. I'm like, yeah, I will do it. I'll connect you guys. I really will. <laughs> I will connect you guys. I'm actually going to ping my manager. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was like a beautiful way to be like, hey, like normalize, explore this stuff. It is a sexual practice, you know, like, yeah. I mean, it's a spiritual practice. Sex is a spiritual yes. practice, like 100%. Yeah. And, and then even that, just bringing up things like, you know, they have those candles that you can burn. That's like hot wax and just like fun <laughs> things that are like beautiful and sensual and just add another layer, like a smell, a mm-hmm. something to your routine, making it just like more special. Anyways, mm-hmm. I just remember everyone was like, no one would even consider doing the ad. And I was so excited. And Austin was, Austin was totally like, I think it's great. You know, like he was like, I trust you. I think it's great. You know, he's, I started off our relationship talking about sex on a podcast with my friend Shanna and the redhead. I don't know if you yes. know Shanna. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. Um, she she was someone though that was so strong in just talking about sex and her sexual, you know, life and her relationship with herself and having vibrators and all things. And I never had had a friend like that. I was, and it was really eye opening for me. Like, oh wow, okay, cool. And then mm-hmm. we started talking about the podcast, and people loved it. Even though we kind of told funny, like crazy sex stories, not yeah. so much from a spiritual perspective, but the fact that we were just talking about it in general, people were couldn't even believe, you know, yeah. like. It was just anyway. So all that being said, I love that you talk about like even having a solo routine because there's mm-hmm. so much. I love sex magic. There's so much power yep. and mm-hmm. and manifesting with your sexual energy. Because if we think about it, our sexual energy and our creative energy, it's the same. Like sex yes. is to create life. You know, our creative energy is to create art or to create, you know, literally create a baby, create life. Mm-hmm. Like there's so mm-hmm. much creation within sexual energy. And you can use that sexual energy to literally, you know, create and manifest. So there's, there's a lot of power there and I'm, I'm excited. I feel like we just scraped the surface of talking about sex, but we, I'm like, we, you you guys can (laughs) submit questions and we we can talk about more, but even just like initiating. And I like how you said, like, do you want to connect or just finding Mm. ways, finding time to make time just to like, I literally tell Austin at the end of the day, I'm like, I just want you to hold me right now. Like it doesn't have to, that doesn't mean I'm asking for sex. Like I just like want to be held. (laughs) I just Mm -hmm. like, I'll be like, I want a spoon. I want you to hold me. Like, and just like starting off with things like, just like play, like touch my head, like do like, you know, just touching each other. Casey literally massages my like feet and calves like three days a week. I don't know how I lucked out, but like, if he, like, if he like gets a little high, I think that for him, he's like, he's like, I was definitely a masseuse in a past life. And I'm like, yep, you totally were like, like you're keep going, like feel so good. But I think, yeah, exactly. But like, that's a way that like, oh, to me, like that's luxury. Like I'm just so, I'm not necessarily a physical touch person, like hugging all the time, but it's those 
those moments where I need to feel literally held, then I'm like, hold me, hold me. And through that like type of connection, we feel safe for, you know, and again, it's like that the more that we have been able to show up for each other in all of these other ways outside of just words of affirmation, physical touch, like I can just count on him. Like that reliability is so sexy to me. Like that is something that I never thought of before. I was like, in order for me to be attracted to you, I have to be attracted to you. You know what I mean? Like it was, I was simplifying it to my own detriment versus allowing these other ways for him to be of service to me. And really being in his masculine, which allows me to be in my feminine, which is how I can tap into my pleasure. I really Mm. struggle to do that when I'm in the masculine, when I'm in doing mode, hero mode, providing mode, you know, all of that. It's hard for me to just drop in and be like, oh, love me, ravish me. But when (laughs) I feel safe enough to be in the feminine, to be in the receiving mode, that's when we're able to connect so much deeper. So it's all those things that I mentioned earlier that that he'll do for me now that didn't happen in the first six or seven years that we were dating because I didn't know to ask for it. I didn't know that I needed it. I was so in my own masculine of like, whatever, I'll do it myself. Like, you don't have to make my coffee. I'll make my coffee. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, oh, what a gift it is that you provide for me. And then because you provide for me, now I look at you. It's very like more animalistic. I'm also Mm -hmm. off of birth control, which was a huge other reason why I struggled, I think, to be in my body, to feel intuitive, to feel feminine, to feel sexual is like I had a literal hook in my cervix. Like when we think about IUDs, I'm like, oh, I get get the ick now. To each their own, you have to be willing to sacrifice security before you go off of birth control. But going off birth control also helped me sexually and me and Casey intimately as well. I... Austin's going to be probably mortified that I tell this story on the podcast. But when I got my IUD out, I felt like I had a year's worth of sexual energy. Yeah. Like all of the sudden, I told him one day, I was like, I, I was like running around the block because he was like on a Zoom call. And I'm like, I yeah need to have sex. Like, and, and I don't even know if that is like a scientific thing or an energetic thing. He's like on a Zoom call. There's there's nothing worse than when you're like, you need to have sex. Yes. Your partner's like in the middle of a work day. He's like, mm-hmm. do I need to like shut it down for the day? Like, are you okay? <laughs> but I did. I had so much just sexual energy that I felt... But it's like was, primal. Yeah. I felt like yes. I felt like my IUD sort of just muted it all. Yep. Like it was just like... But 100%. it also kind of muted my intuition, I feel like too. Mm-hmm. Like, that was why I got it out. I, I was doing a reading for someone else and my guides that I work with were like, this IUD is, it's interrupting your frequency, which makes sense because it's it's a thing literally like inside of our body, any foreign object in our body is going to kind of throw us a little bit. Our body is like, what is this? Um, But it was just throwing off my intuition. And then I don't know, my sexual energy, this, the last like two months, I mean, it was crazy. Now I feel like I've kind of stabilized. Yeah. I was, I've started getting acupuncture and she's like, oh yeah. I mean, my acupuncturist was like, yeah, 100%. Like you've repressed all of those emotions. Like even like my PMS and everything like was so bad. Cause like it was just for months, the IUD kind of suppresses all of those natural things Mm -hmm. the body was doing. But I will say not to scare anyone who was thinking about getting off your IUD. It's been amazing. I haven't had any. Oh, it's beautiful. I wanted to have a lot of sex. (laughs) We as women, like our menstrual cycle, we have four phases. Mm -hmm. They're the exact same. I mean, for me living in New England is different, but because like we have four very distinct seasons, but Mm -hmm. that 
is exactly what our body goes through. And when you have an IUD, when you're on hormonal birth control, you don't move through those seasons. They literally take one season and remove it. They move remove this season of summer, which is ovulation. Hormonal birth control prevents you from ovulating so you don't get pregnant. But it would be like all of a sudden... I don't know, the world at creating some sort of machine that prevented summer from happening. Don't you think that that's going to affect fall or winter or spring and our ability to feel connected to ourselves and connected to this world? And so when, when you think about it more from that, like, yes, spiritual, but more scientific, it's nature. It's nature. We're support, supposed to have these four seasons to do our own shedding, our own integration, our own processing, our own evolution. And when you cut certain parts of it out and we end up having a synthetic period, not even a real period. Like it it impacts intuition, connection to self, hunger, who you're attracted to. Your hormones are being replaced by something fake. And it is overly normalized to even be on birth control. I'm not saying birth control is this big devil, bad thing. I know a lot of people in the spiritual community do. I think you have to be at a point in your life where you're willing to make the transition and willing to put trust in your body to show up for you, right? And like do what it needs to do to not get pregnant. But it really is such a detriment to women and to our connection to self and our ability to heal because we have something within us that's cutting off the tie to the world around us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know, and that's what I say too. I There was a time in my life, how you are like the ick with the IED. That's how I felt. It never resonated with me. It never felt right from the moment I got it. And then when I went to get it removed, my nurse practitioner and my doctor were both not on birth control. Yeah. And they, they were both just like, it's not for everyone. And mm. and I, I really appreciated it because I was like, are they going to try to convince me to keep this thing in? Mine I, did. They were like, are you sure? <laughs> no. are, are you with a consistent partner? I was like, yeah, my boyfriend. They were like, okay, well, you have to... It was, it was, they were not on board with me getting it out. They wanted to put me on the pill after I got my IUD out. And I was like, no, thanks. No pass. I know. Yeah. And... and 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 I do think that it takes, I mean, Austin and I had to have a conversation before I got oh out. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, like I consulted him. We talked about like, Hey, we're going to have to educate ourselves on where I'm at in my cycle. I mean, there, there needs to be some awareness on, you know, okay, this time frame, we need just like a barrier method or yes, something yes. like there, there work. I had probably three major conversations with him, you know, before getting it out. So it is you and I both made the decisions for where we're at in our lives. It was, we thought mm-hmm. was the best decision. And I knew intuitively getting it out was the best decision. But yeah. now I feel so fascinated with all this information of like cycle syncing and all this information. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I hate that so many people who maybe didn't even really need birth control were put on it. Or, you know, it was just another way mm-hmm. kind of keeping us a little bit disconnected from our bodies yeah, and our power, right? Anyways, before we go, I I want we still the video that initially drew me in. I wanted mm. to just kind of leave people with this crumb because I feel like it's a good little nugget of um something that you wish you had maybe told your younger self or you wish you had known. I wish I had known. Yep. When it came to the love over fear. And if you want to explain the video too, because it was your video, yeah. your thought process um on just you know, overworking out where that was coming from and how it shifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the the most beautiful part about like that video or people who resonate with it is, is the fact that we can do all the right things. We can 
drink the green juice. We can work out and do the guide that this very specific influencer who has the exact body that we want told us to do in order to get their body and get their mm-hmm. results. We can take all the supplements and we can even meditate and we can even journal. We can do all of the above, but we can still feel disconnected from ourself and from our growth and from feeling what we actually want to feel, right? Because the reason that we're doing the workouts and we're having the green juice, we're doing all of these things because we just want to feel good. We want that sense of peace and satisfaction in our lives. And the video that I made, I was I showed a picture of myself, I think early 2019 or late 20, 2018, like pre-spiritual awakening, but very in the world of holistic health. I was a holistic health coach. So I was making myself work out. I was making all these beautiful nourishing meals. But the inflammation that you saw on my face in that picture was wild because I was still doing all of those things out of this energy of lack. I was doing it all out of fear. I was working out to lose weight because I hated the body that I was in. I was eating healthy to heal my gut because I hated the fact that my gut was, you know, it was all out of this like, this really fear-based energy. And I was chasing and striving and energy was moving away from me. And my body was a direct reflection of that. I had acne. I had no energy, even though I was doing all the right things. I felt so disconnected from myself in all ways, even though everything I was doing was technically to feel some sort of connection. It was all in fear. And so one of the first things that I do whenever I have a client and the program that I created that I am no longer going to run, RIP, The Real With Project. It's now an at-your-own-pace course for anyone who wants it. But this love over fear was like the catalyst for me choosing to to step more into spiritual mentorship over just holistic health. Mm -hmm. Because we can do all those things, but we have to have this ability to do it for the greater good of ourselves, for love, for our future selves, for our current self, for our past selves. So it's working out, not to lose weight, not out of fear, out of lack, but working out because we have this understanding that movement can can literally release energetic stagnation, that movement is good for so many different parts of our physical body, but also our mental health. Mm-hmm. Working out so good for the mental health. So it's not what we do, it's why we do it. And I wasn't doing anything for love, I was still doing all the right things, but for all the wrong reasons. And that's why I was not feeling the way that I wanted to feel. And so I tell everybody that mindfulness is the catalyst for change because if you are not mindful, mindfulness, again, it's it's an awareness. It's being in tune with yourself, with your feelings, with your body, with your thoughts. When you're mindful, all of a sudden you have more opportunity to choose differently because you're aware of your own lack and limitations. So I call mindfulness the catalyst for change because you can't change what you don't know. So once I became truly committed to this mindful life and I started picking up on like, wow, I'm doing this not not out of love for myself. I'm doing this to punish myself. I'm doing this because I'm scared what will happen if I don't. So mindfulness gives us the opportunity to choose differently. It gives us the opportunity to make any decision in our day, a nourishing one. We can do laundry out of love instead of my room's a fucking mess and I need to do my laundry and I haven't done it in a week. So now I have to do my fucking laundry because I don't want fear. Why are we doing our laundry out of fear? I deserve clean clothes. I deserve a clean space. Now I'm going to, I'm going to do my laundry. It's putting gas in your car. It's sitting in traffic. It's calling a person. It's paying your bills. It's, you know, tax season. Like, can we just make 
any decision nourishing with the power of thought, with the power of intention setting. And that is what has single-handedly changed my life because all the things that I was doing were technically on the surface good, but the root of them was toxic. It was being eaten away at by the, the vibration of fear. So when I do everything out of love for myself, I end up feeling the way that I want to feel and I actually have to do less. I don't have to do as much to maintain the body that I'm in. I work out less than I ever have in my entire life, but I'm more pleased with my physical body than ever before and my connection to it and how it's of service to me. So again, to like that summary is more so why you do it is more important than how you do it. And for me, love over fear is the mantra that I carry with me that I, that I talk about the most in my, in my communities and on my platforms, because it's just like a quick little summary and a quick mantra that you can always realign yourself with. Mm -hmm. But that's just like it, you know, it's, and it's the work of being willing to look at yourself and say, if I don't feel good, where am I coming from? Like, why am I doing all of this? It's not energy going out. I'm going to chase the body, chase the money, chase the growth, mm-hmm. chase the fame. But if I start funneling things into myself, now all of a sudden the, the energy is coming towards me and now I'll start actually receiving more. So it is very also closely tied to manifestation as well. 100%. Uh, that was a beautiful explanation. You're such a, this is the way I, you always speak with such authority. You guys got to follow her on every platform. <laughs> I, I consume, I just, I, when I see her video, I'm locked in. Um, I saw a video the other day that it was someone who was actually not spiritual and, and just popped up on my TikTok was just more of a business. She's like, the more I fall in love with myself, the more money I make, the more I love myself, the more money I make. And, and from an energetics eye, my eagle eye, my energy, love and money are very, they're so connected, so connected. Like when I was in a relationship with Austin was one, like entering that relationship in a few months and was that one of my highest grossing months I've ever made. And it was really when I was dedicated with him to loving myself and to taking care of me and to doing all these things that made me feel good. Mm. I made the most money ever. You know, like there's just something yeah. there. It was on my highest money making whatever months. I don't mm-hmm. even know. Highest grossing. Yeah. Um, and so that's really something that your content showed me and more than just, I feel like you embody and you live that every day. Just like how you said in laundry, you know, I deserve mm-hmm. clean clothes. I'm worthy of, of doing this for myself because I love myself and I want to feel good in my clothes and have a beautiful space versus it doesn't always have to be love over fear of working out and diet. This is actually mm-hmm. applicable in every single thing that we do all day long. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, instead of telling myself I'm dehydrated, I need to drink water. I'll be like, okay, how can I make this a loving experience? I'm going to put it in a, in my pretty glass that I like, and I'm going to put my little heart shaped ice cubes that I made specially. And then I'm going to put lemon and then I'm going to go outside and pick basil from my plant. And I put basil and I make a lemon basil water, you know, versus being like, mm-hmm. I have to drink a gallon of water a day, you know, yeah. like every single thing. I do, I'm like, stop, hold up. Let's like put a little intention here. How could I make this a little bit sweeter, a little bit more of a loving act towards myself versus just chugging a bottle of water, you know, because I know I need to drink more water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm always needing a little bit more water in my days, but flipping that narrative because we, you realize a lot of this is just habitual. It's recycled oh, thoughts yeah. that we've been kind of living in this fear state or this fight or flight. 
And then when you realize, wow, I can make every experience beautiful or an act of love, no matter how, no matter what it is, paying your taxes, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm grateful that I have a business. I'm grateful that I've made money this year (laughs) that I, that Mm -hmm. I have, you know, I've been in completely different financial situations where I was broke as shit. (laughs) So like, there's just, I think every lens you can choose to see love. And I, I always, that's part of one of my prayers that I say is like, I choose to view myself through the lens of love. Like I choose to view everything through a lens of love, even some terrible internet troll. I choose to see them through the lens of love. And I have to tell myself that all day long, you know, just to get my thoughts re- aligned with that energy because a lot of it's just we're on autopilot and we're just asleep and we're doing things out of fear. And then once mm-hmm. you have that, like you said, mindfulness and awareness, it's just, it's everything. Cause then you're so empowered to change the thought, change the system and to yeah. step into your power. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I could talk to you for six forever. hours forever. We are manifesting our <laughs> IRL meetup. We're gonna I know. Meet, we're gonna meet in person. We've been internet. We're like we're internet besties. We've never met, but I know we're gonna we're gonna meet. We're gonna make it happen. Um, I just want to say thank you on behalf of AG University. Thank you for this lesson. This was beautiful. There was so much in it. You guys need to connect with Emma. She also has a podcast. I spoke on her podcast recently. You can check us out there. We had a completely different conversation over there, by the way. Yeah. So um, we talked today. We wanted to talk about a couple of things. And we went a totally different route. So mm. um, there's more AG and Emma content. We'd love to check you out on her podcast. I will link everything there and all of her platforms and Thank you. I love you. I love you Thank so much. Thank you. I love you. This is such a great way to step into the weekend. Yes. Um, well, I'm going to link everything. Is there anything else that's lighting you up? Anything that projects you're working on? Anything you want our, our people to know about? No, I'm going to have... Me and you are going to have to have a separate conversation about where I'm going next year because I could use some some grounding guidance. Yes, always. I'm here for you. I love you. You guys check her out. Thanks for coming to class. This is a wrap. Love you so much. As always, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you feel so called or if it feels aligned, I would love for you to leave me a review here. I always love reading your beautiful thoughts and messages. And also you can find me at Anna Grace School on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And I will link all of my courses, AG University course curriculum in the show notes, along with if you're interested in booking an Akashic Records reading with me. My scheduling link goes out in my newsletter. It goes out once a month and it's completely free. I would love to have you there. As always, I'm a proud professor and you get an A plus for making it all the way through the end. Love you.